Cootie Vineyard. Cootie's always making mistakes. Don't make any more. Okay, that's a little more peaceful, huh? It's still dramatic and well-produced is what I'm saying here. Uh, welcome to what I believe is episode five of what is called season four um, of the, the, the Stinky Think Tank podcast, or the Stink Show, if you listen to Wallet there at the beginning. Um, I'm going to guess that since I've just basically been just... Uh, manically plowing through these and throwing them up in 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 kind of burst fits and spurt burp fit you know whatever the fucking saying is fits and spurts spurts and fits uh, yeah okay let's try this again welcome to the stink show uh, I am stinky think tank um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna let's let's just take a minute and let's say you're a new listener uh, and you are because there ain't a lot of old ones um, if, if you're a new listener or follower I'm guessing you probably have a few questions. So let's tackle a couple of those. Question number one, what, what, what the fuck? What's going on? Okay, first, good question. Thank you, listener. Um, okay, so who is Stink? I am. I'm the one they call Stink. Um, I am he. Why? Because, yeah, I, I'm with you on the, like, the, well, that's a dumb fucking name. Why, why that? No, I'm with you. Um, blame Twitter. It's all Twitter's fault, right? So the, the quick backstory goes a little something like this. Um, about two, 2015, um, I, I had a year um, that many would, would consider such a, a thing as a midlife crisis. Um, and it wasn't even my first one or my best one, but it's a big one. Um, and it had, you know, some of the, the common ingredients, a divorce, um, kind of an unexpected divorce, actually. Um, I lost a parent and I lost my religion. I was, uh, I, you know, I was in a faith with my ex-wife and then... Uh, she, she won that part of the divorce. She got, she got some of that. So I didn't get that. And that's okay. Cause, um, it was Jehovah's witnesses and yeah, I just kind of didn't fit. I tried, I tried really hard. Didn't fit anyway. On top of that for good measure, because I like to do things a little bit to the extreme. Um, I chose the, the, like the premium nervous breakdown package, um, which came, you know, purchasing a sports car. I did that. Um, I had a business and I sold that, um, didn't go well. It's been a, a long, lengthy, drawn-out legal battle, and it's been a disaster. Um, estranged some siblings, all that kind of stuff. And then the, the coup de grace, really, uh, where, you know, I wasn't afraid to go where other men had not gone before. Um, I became an actor. I got kind of serious about acting. A um, little bit of backstory on that. Basically, you know, I was going through this rough time, and, uh, you know, looking back, I, I think my mom was justifiably worried about me. So she got me, you know, for a birthday present or whatever, um, acting lessons. And, uh, I, I, I was kind of like, you know, going through my own haze and I ended up at the, at these acting classes and I was enjoying it and the people were very cool. Um, and, and, uh, you know, one of the nights the, the instructor said, um, well, actually they always asked before, you know, has anybody gotten any work? Has anybody done any roles? And it's kind of this weird, very, uh, stereotypical moment in acting school words. People are like, yeah, I did a commercial, and yeah, I, I was a stand-in on a, on a this and a that. Um, and 
after that, you know, a, a couple weeks in, he, the guy's like, hey, do any of you guys really want to be an actor or are you just coming to acting school? And nobody answered, nobody raised their hand. And out of almost um, sadness for him, to keep him from being embarrassed for acting, I, I, hit, I threw my hand up, not really thinking about it. You know, it's a fucking acting school. They're not going to put me on a lie detector test. Um, but in that moment, I did kind of realize, like, you know what? I do want to try this. I want to see. I want to. I want to. I want to do this. I want to see if it's fun. I want to see if it's something I can do. I want to see if it's something interesting to me. Um, so I went after it, and I got some roles. Um, and yeah, it, it it was, you know. So that's where we were back then. And um, okay, so again, I kind of digressed. I'm guessing the second question from a Twitter uh, from a, a listener would be, okay, so what's that got to do with anything? Okay, so well, I started the, the stinky think tank Twitter account, um, but I didn't really you know, want to admit it to anybody, so I did it um, anonymously with a snarky name and a snarky pseudonym. Um, and my intention really wasn't to you know, do it and become stink and start a podcast and be an asshole. Um, it was just to deal with what I had to kind of, you know, or not deal, you know, avoid the issues I was going through. Um, but doing it with a pseudonym allowed me to um, say things that, that, you know, I wouldn't if, if my name was on it. And uh, it, it's helped me to kind of work through my issues legally and personally and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also when I started getting acting roles, I swear I'll get to the script soon, guys. Um, when I started getting acting roles, I started using Twitter to kind of do research for the roles. Um, you know, I'd kind of test out lines and, and I'd play with Twitter to, to kind of rehearse instead of rehearse. Um, and, and it went well. And, and uh, you know, incidentally, um, some of those early roles, I got, two, I got two nice roles that were, I was considered to be a Canadian, Canadian bad guy, actually. So I, w I kind of dove into Twitter with this, this dual purpose of working through my own, you know, depression and anxiety and, and, de and dealing with everything I had to deal with, um, but also kind of having fun playing with character and character development and stuff. Anywho, we're now we're, what, six years later, seven years later almost. And uh, yeah, so here I'm, I'm doing a podcast. Um, uh, so yeah. I, I swear we're going to get to the thing in a minute. Um, if you also have been following me or listening, um, I'm kind of an old, I would, I would say veteran maybe, um, at least a passionate participant for sure of kind of the L.A. post-punk music scene. Um, I was in bands in the, in the 90s when I was in really finishing high school and in what would have been college years. Um, and... I had a fairly successful run with a with a punk band as a drummer. Uh, we played some great shows and stuff. Um, but I picked up, you know, like many shitty drummers do, um, I picked up the guitar and learned a few chords and, and that kind of shit. So, um, you you if you're listening or you're following along, you'll you'll definitely see. Um, I hope you see what is a passionate love affair with rock and roll. Um, and it it, it what may look like just, you know. I, I definitely get distracted um, like, a, like a dog seeing a bone anytime there's any kind of rock and roll reference. Um, so if, if you're not into that, sorry, I don't think I could stop it if I tried. Okay, so another question. What the fuck's up with, this, with the Goonies thing? Uh, okay, so yeah, um, by, by episode five, I thought maybe I should explain. Um, so season one on this podcast feed is just a bunch of hodgepodge shit. It's a lot of conversation I had with Terry who will be coming back, I hope. I, we both kind of had other shit going on and I haven't really 
swung back around to, to catch him on, on this swing. Um, but I knew I needed to do a podcast. Um, you know, I, people have said I need to write a book. I don't know. I, I don't think I could sit and focus for that. I could barely sit and focus through a five-minute uh, podcast intro. Um, so I, I've kind of been playing around with format. And um, part of what the podcast goal will, will be, which I think is you know, probably true of almost anybody who does one, is to, to some extent tell my story and, and share what I've learned and who I am um, and you know, what my journey's been. Um, I do think it's, it's, it's interesting. And it's, it's, I've, had a, I've, had a fun, I've had a fun life with a lot of you know, interesting shit going on, I think. I and mean, then I've been told the same. But, um, so this, this podcast is, is a little bit of therapy for me to just have an outlet, have an audience, uh, have a dialogue with, a, with an audience about something. Um, again, it's going to fall into rock and roll a lot. And, and in the future, I do plan to do some really focused things about rock and, and talk about lyrics and band, how you handle bands and do concert reviews and, and bring my mom on. She's a rock star. Um, her list of concerts will blow your mind. Um, but in the meantime, um, I do have ADHD and I, I am bipolar and I'm manic and I'm an insomniac and all that kind of stuff. So my attention span is, um, malleable. It, which is kind, it's, it's chaotic and out of, out of control. Um, so one way to keep the podcast somewhat focused on a topic I, I've learned or tried is what we're trying right now is to go through the screenplays, um, of my favorite films and just kind of talk my way through it. If you're listening, um, it might be really hard to follow along. Uh, I, like I said, I'm ADHD. I'm a slave to it to some degree, and I'm sure it's, it's at times difficult to follow my train of thought. If that's, if that's a problem, I, I, I probably wouldn't keep listening. It's, it's not gonna, uh, get too much better. I don't think if, if anything, um, but if you're okay with it and kind of comfortable with the meandering and everything, um, <laughs> there she is. Uh, I appreciate you listening. So I'll try not to apologize too much now that I've kind of explained everything. If you have any questions, please contact me. Uh, you can Gmail me at, at stinkythinktank at Gmail. There should be several kind of show links that you can get, you can get through to me. Um, and then there's always Twitter, uh, Stinky Think Tank, at, at, at Stinky Think Tank. Stinky Think Tank, I think. I, I, I shouldn't have chosen something that was so difficult to say and juvenile in concept, but here we are. Um, if, uh, if, if, you, if you are okay with all of that and you're still interested in listening and, 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 and helping me out here, um, you will notice soon, I don't know when or, or in what form, but soon there will be sponsors and ads um, on the show in, in future shows. And I promise I'll do my best um, to keep it fun, keep it kind of, you know, on, on the dashboard. I'm not, I, I'm not really trying to get rich. Um, but I, I am going to try to make this content um, entertaining for those who will listen. So I'm going to I'm going to try to monetize it at some point. Um, I don't plan to do the Joe Rogan uh, or or what many other uh, podcasters have done and just load up with six minutes of ads at the front of a, a an episode of me, um, you know, mansplaining life to people. That's that's kind of not who I am. Um, but I do I think we can have some fun with some ads and and make it work. If you, um, if, you, if you really, really enjoy the show and want to do more, um, please like, uh, subscribe is helpful. Um, commenting and participating with me in this will help a ton. If you have something to add, um, you can reach out to me and we'll figure out how to get the, the audio content 
produced. Um, if, you, if you prefer to just kind of pitch a question or something, leave a message or a tweet. Um, it's really important to me that if this is going to be something I do consistently longer term or, or at any, you know, in any quantity, um, that, that somehow, A, I leave a rebuttal format because I'm going to say a bunch of shit and anybody who I mention has every right to contact me and say, no, that didn't fucking happen that way. Um, so if, if, if you want to correct me, please do. Um, but also just share with me. Just, you know, hey, Stank, this is funny. Hey, here's something I noticed you didn't. Hey, you're a piece of shit. Um, do, this, do this film next. Uh, whatever, whatever. It's, this is, you know, this isn't serious. This isn't, I'm not going to try to take over the world. But let's have some fun together. Um, you can share the podcast with a friend. Tell somebody about it. Um, and then, of course, there's, I'm sure there are links that are up by now that you can Venmo me or Patreon me or contribute through that kind of thing. I know there's the, I'm using uh, the, Spot, the Spotify anchor app to produce this and um i'm really pleased with it it's, it's pretty cool at least it seems to be so far so if you end up on that sort of page um you, and there's a definite other ways to support the show anywho thank you guys so much for listening let's let's get started so um again this series is about the goonies we have we've we've gotten all the way to page 40. um frankly it's been kind of an, an eye-opening slog in a, in a way um this uh, it's a you know it's it's goonies it's it's a fun loving kid adventure film, um, but it's got some uh, some qualities that didn't age well, or maybe they did, but not for me. Um, maybe some qualities are just those, you know just some parts of the film um, changed over the 30, 30 years, and uh, you know I'm an adult now and I'm not a kid, so I have a little bit more critical skills to analyze what's going on, and um, yeah, there's a, there's some stuff that isn't perfect. I'll tell you that. Uh, but all in all, it's, you know, it's how movies are made. So, uh, the kids have just arrived, finally, finally, at the um, lighthouse, the restaurant, the Fratelli's. Um, it, in the script, it says it's a seafood restaurant. It, the way Chunk and, uh, and Mouth approach it, it seems more Italian. On, on any level, it's, um, it's creepy, it's dusty. It's deserted. The water ain't good. Um, but I think we can now mark at this point in the podcast that we are moving into um, Act Two. If any of that ever matters, it seems as though we've we've definitely set the table for what the the thrust of the plot will be. And here we go. We are we're, the boys are now um, they're in it. They're ready to go. So uh, Chunk has just it, it, scene sixty two on page forty. Chunk has has just gone and, and discovered the ORV. Uh, the script says over 40 bullet holes. I think there's like four or five. Uh, Chunk, however, does do a great job of kind of freaking out and runs to tell the guys. Um, but they're kind of going in, and, and they're already um, justifying their behavior with like, oh, it was just a pot falling, and what could go wrong? Well, those aren't drug dealers. They, they are, they're not dressed nice enough. Okay, here we go. They enter the lighthouse lounge day. Uh, the Goonies enter looking around. Everything's silent, deserted. Chunk races inside and starts pulling at everybody's clothing, trying to signal them with bizarre hand signs and wild descriptive gestures that make him look totally not of this earth. He finally gets out a few words. Um, yeah, I've been posting a little bit because I did watch the movie uh, this morning, and there's a lot that, that uh, sticks out. Um, but one thing that, that I remembered, I've done a couple films with kids, and you know, there's there are some like, you know, Hollywood um, rules of thumb kind of thing. 
and you're never supposed to work with kids or dogs, kids or animals, um, stuff like that. And kids are kind of a remarkable experience to work with as actors. Um, they don't have, they have wild imaginations and they're willing to kind of go there and play, but they don't have the life experience to know um, what some, what's the, well, what the difference is between literal and metaphor, right? So a lot of times um, film directors kind of speak in this, in this really weirdly um, soft metaphoric language because they don't want to, um, they don't want to over control their actors, right? So it's a lot of like, um, do that again with a little bit of, you know, urgency. And kids don't know what that means. Um, do that again, but, um, you know, softer. And, and a person goes, you mean like this, softer? And they're like, no, just emotionally softer. And they, they, they kind of, you know, tiptoe around and pussyfoot around how to talk to actors. Well, they do the same thing to kids, but even more carefully. But kids take everything very literal. Like, uh, we just passed the scene where there was the bike race, and Brand comes out and finds his bike's all messed up, right? His, the tires are messed up from mouth. And so he steals that, that, that little bike, that little girl's bike. Um, so he just runs up and picks her up, puts her down next to the bike, and takes off. And you could, uh, at least I can, you could tell the director said to the little girl, um, when, he, when he puts you down, you know, stomp around like you're mad. And adults know that that means, you know, kind of uh, portraying the anger in their body language. Well, the little girl literally just stomps. Like, she just literally does like a little circle of high knee stomps. The minute she gets off the bike, she barely looks at the guy. Uh, it plays on film. It's wonderful. But it's, it's just always interesting to, for me to catch those little moments um, where a kid is clearly doing something very literal. Um, anyway. Anyway, okay, so... Uh, Chunk, hey, guys, 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 we got to get out of here. I just saw the... Okay, Chunk's interrupted by the sound of a slamming door. The kids nearly jump out of their skin. They turn to the direction of the sound. Uh, the shadow of a person stands by the restaurant door. The person has just closed the door. They step forward. We immediately recognize it is Mama Fratelli. Uh, we immediately recognize her from the earlier jailbreak. She glares at the boys. Mama, how long you... <laughs> sorry. How long you boys been... <laughs> She's got a deep voice, but anyway. How long you boys been at that window? Uh, it's, I'm going to end up doing Mama for like, like uh, Sam Elliott. Not a very good Mama impersonation. Mouth. Uh, long, long, long enough to see that this place needs about 400 roach motels. Uh, again, Mouth has this incredible uh, vocabulary in Spanish of these uh, just dark adult themes and cut downs. And then when he's coming up with something with the boys, he's like, you suck. And 400 roach motels, he, it's, he goes from being really clever to being not. I guess so do I. Okay, he, immediately, uh, Mama takes a strong dislike to Mouth. Yeah, well, uh, wait till you see, wait, wait till you hear how he, had, he treated Rosalita. Okay, so Chunk's in the background frantically signaling Mouthing, and he is. Don't piss her off. Uh, she leads the boys to a table and calls back to the back room. Jake, we got customers. Uh, page 41. We hear a loud thump from the back room, followed by Jake's voice. Uh, Jake off screen. What do you mean, customers? This ain't no restaurant. J uh, Jake pokes his head out and sees the kids, pauses and figures it out, muttering, oh, shit. Uh, Mama snaps her fingers at the sun. Now go on, get in the kitchen, warm up the stove. Uh, and there we go. Jake goes to the kitchen, walks past the kids, glares at the table, eyes filled with anger, enters the kitchen. 
a crooked table. Impossible to eat a meal at this place. It's wobbly, dirty, sticky. Set with filthy yellow dishes and rusty silverware. Uh, Mikey lifts his fork. It is uh, attached to the table by a long, gooey wad of chewed gum. Ugh. Throughout this, Chunk is still trying to, to gesture to the boys. Um, and he, apparently he's so excited, only air comes out. Again, this, this is um, a couple things about screenwriting. Uh, when I first started writing screen plays a long time ago, I, I took a class and watched... Or no, I didn't take a class. I wrote a, read a couple books. Um... And, you know, maybe watched a YouTube video. Um, I was told you that these, these description paragraphs should never be more than four or five um, lines long uh, because people who read screenplays tend to uh, get bored with reading them over four or five lines. And as a writer, I was like, well, that's horseshit. That's a rule I'm going to ignore. If I have to say it, I have to say it. I'm not going to have some sort of arbitrary four-line limit caused onto my description when when... There's times when it clearly calls for that. Uh, now, 30 years later, reading this uh, screenplay, which I, I adore, I, I get it. These, these fucking descriptions go on forever. Uh, second note about them is um, I've never really gotten too great of an answer on this, but certain words are just constantly uh, capitalized in screenplay descriptions, and they seem almost arbitrary. Um, and, and I know I've heard a good reason for it, but uh, it does, it, it reads sort of arbitrary, looks sort of arbitrary, and it, it has uh, seeped into the other writing styles of mine. Um, I do it on Twitter sometimes. I just randomly capitalize a word um, that just felt to me like it needed to be capitalized, and it probably reads like a fucking idiot. Anyway, Mama, okay, we got a specialized menu here. We serve one thing, fresh fish surprise. And Chunk's like, what kind of fish? Because he's always hungry. And Mama, I said it's a surprise. Okay, I'll take it. Mama, what about the rest of you? Uh, okay, I like this part, yeah. Uh, Mikey, just a glass of water for me. Everyone's like, yeah, water, water, water. Uh, okay, one surprise and five water. Is that it? Uh, I hope, yeah, okay, he does. Mouth. Uh, mouth just starts performing out of extreme nervousness. It didn't seem like that. It seemed like he was cocky. He forces an Italian accent. And he gets, he stands right up next to mom and he's got, he puts his hand. I like uh, the antipasto salad, the fettuccine alfredo, and a veal scallopini, and a bottle of Botticelli, 1981. And that is, uh, that's not bad. Now I know I kind of tapped out on the microphone there. You got You want to hear it again? Doubt it. Uh, okay, so she's like, fuck you, kid. This isn't an Italian fucking restaurant. Look around. So angry mama leans towards mouth, and they don't get along already. She grabs his tongue. Between her fingers pinching, she removes a pocket knife from her mouth, from her pocket and uh, starts to, you know, threaten to take off his tongue. Bad service. Customers and customers always right, Mama. Uh, we got one more thing on the menu. Tongue. You always like tongue. I don't know why I can't do it with Mama, but I can't. Uh, the boys are all shaking their heads. They're, they're, they're tired. And there's some, there's some, like, overacting going on here. The kids are clearly kind of seriously sort of excited to be in the, in the restaurant or something. Um, uh. I don't know if they're going to do the chunk bit, but when he orders a, a water, uh, <laughs> it's not the kind of place you want to order a water in, Mikey. There could be daddy long legs and dead things, Mikey, dead things. And Mikey's just trying to get to the bathroom. I don't know, they're, I don't know if they did that here, but uh, shut up when I do what I told you. Okay, so the boys look around. They're frightened. Uh, Data, what about those two guys who came in before us? What happened to them? And Data's on top of it. Uh, chunk, finally able to talk. Guys, look. If we, if we don't get out of here, there's going to be some kind of hostage situation. Garage, four-wheel drive, bullet holes the size of Big Macs. 
uh, Chunk, I'm starting to OD on all your bullshit stories. Yeah, they're still just like, stop it, Chunk. And they're literally, like, Mouth is the guy who just said, I'm sick of your, your stupid stories. And the lady just almost cut his tongue off. And he's just like, let's go. And they're like, nah. Don't know why. A loud sound suddenly echoes the, uh, through the place, churning, bumping, whirring. It sounds like a washing machine gone berserk. Kids exchange a frightened glance. We hear the voice of a man screaming. Uh, on the far wall, a door flies open. A man storms out. It's Francis Fratelli. Uh, that's Joey Pants. Uh, Joey Pantaloni plays Francis Fratelli. Joey Pants plays Frankie Frats. We're going to call him Frankie Frats from now. Uh, his clothes and body are splattered, stained with a dark green ink. He's screaming, boiling mad. He's yelling across the hallway to Mama, holding up his hand. A drawing of Ulysses S. Grant has been stamped on his hand. Um, we'll, figure, we'll find that out later. So here comes Francis. How the hell am I supposed to finish up downstairs with that piece of Sismo Smithsonian shit I got to work with? Uh, we'll find out in a second. Mm -mm -mm. Mm? That wasn't a cue. That's a real fire siren from the, the fire station. Took a little drink of my beer, and uh, this, the, the siren filled the, the void. No need to edit that out. Uh, okay, so Francis uh, figures it out. He sees the kids. He covers the stamp on his hand, dashes back through the door, as if he were caught doing something wrong. We hear him latching several locks on the door. The boys exchange another uh, round of mysterious glances. Kitchen door shoots open. Mom straddles out, carrying a tray of glasses in one arm, a metal cleaver in the other. Glasses are filled with rusty orange-colored water. It's gross. It's, it's disgusting water. Small particles float in the water. Mama distributes a glass of water to each of the boys. They stare at the water's odd color. It's rust. Ma mouth. Is this supposed to be water? Mama, it, it's wet, ain't it? That was, that was, that was a little better. Uh, Data gives in. Yeah, sure, looks great. Mouth, if you like drinking mule piss... Okay, Mama turns to Mouth, rage in her eyes. He, she's had it. Mouth starts pouring his water from one glass to go, Hey, Mikey, you need to go to the bathroom? It sounds a little like going to the bathroom. This is driving Mikey crazy, who starts to bounce up and down in his seat, knocking his knees together. He excitedly whispers to Mouth, Cut it out, Mouth. This isn't the sort of place that, ha this is the sort of place that has daddy long legs in the restroom. Mikey doesn't say that. Chunk does. It's not the kind of place you want to go to the bathroom, Aunt Mikey. Kitchen door flies open again. Jake exits. He's wearing aprons, covered with blood. His hands and arms are also stained with blood. He is carrying a huge steaming pot. A ladle rests in the pot. He rests the pot on the table, looking at the boys. Who ordered the fish surprise? Uh, Chunk nervously raises his hand. Uh, Jake ladles the grotesque contents of the pot into Chunk's plate. The, the fish surprise is made up of a black, jellified liquid. Uh, sorry, I'm adjusting the audio. Uh, might have gotten a little quiet there for a little bit. Sorry, guys. The fish surprise is made up of black, jellified liquid loaded with fish heads and bones. Chunk frowns. Yummy. Mama looks into the pot. Is there some left? Jake nods. Mama checks her wristwatch. Time to feed your brother. Let Francis do it. I fed it last night. Francis is busy. We're making it through this thing, guys. Page 40, 45. I hate going down there, Ma. He's your brother. Now get going before it gets cold. Okay, so he's got to go free feed uh, it, the brother. Jake reluctantly walks to a crooked woody, wooden door, opens the door. It leads into darkness. Jake enters. We hear him descend the creaky steps. Uh, a nervous Mikey stands, bouncing on one leg. He looks at Mama. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Uh, Mikey, excuse me, Mom. 
excuse me, ma'am, where's the men's room? Uh, with his usual wild hand gestures and expressions, Chunk is trying desperately to convince Mikey not to go downstairs. Uh, Mama glares at Mikey. Mama, can't you hold it? Uh, Chunk, yeah, Mikey, can't you hold it? Okay, this is it. Uh, I don't know if it's written this way, but he does a great job. Chunk, seriously, rewatch the movie and just pay attention to Chunk. Chunk is unbelievably good. Uh, devilishly mouth pours a thin, noisy stream of water from a glass of the other day. Hey, lady, please. Mama, downstairs to your right, and stay to your right. Uh, Mikey nods, trembling. Chunk tries to convince him. Mikey, don't. You can't. Please. Uh, Mikey bails. Mikey ignores Chunk and walks to the basement door enters. Uh, interior lighthouse basement. A narrow corridor, dark, twisting, lined with damp stone walls. Oh, no, Jesus. Uh, these are, uh, for page 46 is all description. Jeez. Uh, okay, so the stairs are made of rotted wood. We know it's, I mean, the place sucks, right? And he's heading down the basement. I'm, I'm not going to read it all into Sloth's room, scene 65. Uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, Mikey's, Mikey's taking it all in. It's, it's a gem, jail, jail cell. We see Sloth. He's tattered. There's a mattress. It's gross. He's in a, he's in a dungeon, uh, literally chained in, in, uh, like ball and chain, right? And Jake's feeding him. The Jake is feeding Sloth. And I guess Mikey's watching. Here, boy, you hungry? Won't want your supper? So Sloth grunts. He holds up two arms. He's hungry. You know, he's thick and muscular. But they, they take so many words. Like, this could all be in, like, yeah. He's, he's weird. Um, Mikey's shocked. Jake holds his, like, yeah, here, fella. What, you want this? Your tender vittles. Um, they're just horrible people that, that treat him horribly. Sloth's hands try to grab it. Jake purposely drops the pot. It's smashed on the floor. The fish and broth are sucked into the dry cement. Uh, fish and broth don't go, don't suck into cement. But anyway, uh, Sloth cries out. Uh, Mikey's eyes are sad, sympathetic. Jake feigns pity. Jake, oh, poor boy. Sorry, fellow. Maybe tomorrow night. What a dick. Uh, he whimpers with a sadistic giggle. Jake leaves the room. Mikey quickly hides behind the door. Mikey's hiding from him and... There's, it's all this, like, uh, you know, they're hiding in the shadows. Mikey finally sees Sloth and, and freaks out. Uh, Sloth growls at him. Mikey turns and leaves. He dashes back upstairs. He's scared to death. That, I, I think that's the gist, guys. Uh, okay. Uh, scene 66, page 47. Uh, Mikey rushes into the room. He's back in the, in the lounge. Runs right into Brand's arms. Here comes fucking Brand. Ugh. Brand dirtied in money from his bicycle accident. Dude, he flew off a cliff. He should be dead. He's standing there. He, he grabs Mikey's collar and picks him up off the floor and throws him over his, his, uh, his shoulder. It's, 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 you know, Brand's got superhuman strength. He, yeah. Brand, death's too good for you. I'm saving you for mom. Yeah, Brand's doing what's right and taking him back to mom. Okay, Brand. Uh, Chunk has actually been eating some of the fish surprise and has lost most, if not all, of his color. Uh, yeah. You know, Chunk... You know, he dresses like Tyler Durden, and, and uh, one thing about Brad Pitt is he's always eating. So is Chunk. Like, uh, in a weird way, the, there's all these crossovers and similarities between Fight Club and, and, uh, and this and, and the Bosky. Thank God I'm discovering them, or, or they would have gone unnoticed. Okay, so Mama comes back in, startling Brand. Yeah, and she looks at the boys. They're all trying to get out of there. All right, so Mama's like, it's all right, boys. Go on home. It's, it's on the house. Don't, don't worry about having to pay for that fish surprise and, uh, and copper water, rusty fucking water. Okay, so uh, Chunk barfs. I don't know. Uh, 
mouth. Now it's on the floor. Mom, I'll go out, get out of here. Jake will clean up. Now get. Uh, so they're all leaving. They're bailed, right? Okay, so they're heading out. And uh, exterior graveyard dusk, darkness approaches. The Goonie kids are hiding out here. Um, I don't remember this. Behind the tombstones, Mikey's scared, trying to explain what he saw. I'm telling you. They got an it, a giant it, and they got it chained to the wall. And when it, when it came into the light, uh, he takes a of his of his inhaler. You should have you should have seen its face. It was horrible. All the parts were mixed around. He's telling all this to Bran. Bran and Bran's like you're like your brain, lamo. Uh, say goodbye to your little pals. So, uh, Chunk points off screen. Bran pauses, turning curiously to where Chunk points. I think the uh, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't need to think. I'm here. We can just keep reading, right? Goonies POV, scene 68, exterior lighthouse dusk. Jake and Francis exit through a side door, heads darting back and forth, making sure the coast is clear. It's, it's not clear. There's five kids 50 feet away just staring at them, um, carrying a large limp bag. It's a dead person, right? The size of a body. Mama follows carrying another bag. Mama is not carrying her own dead body, but uh, maybe. The Goonie kids curiously watch from behind the tombstone's garage door opens, revealing that black ORV. Um, I feel like ORV is like the Betamax to VHS, right? Like SUV caught on. ORV is what the Goonies thought it was. Um, anywho. Uh, chunk. Look at there, look at there. Jake opens the hatch, hatchback of the ORV. Opens a false floor in the ORV's bed. Uh, he and Francis manage to fit one bag onto the vehicle's bed. They attempt to load the other bag. Won't work. Not enough space. Jake closes the false door. He and Francis carry the other bag back inside the restaurant. What do you think they got in the bags? Kids have no answers. Yeah, sometimes these kids turn into fucking idiots. Sometimes. Uh, the kids have no answers. Jake and Francis come back outside. They get into the ORV with Mama, then drive off. Uh, it's, it's empty. Mikey excitedly looks at the others. Hey, the place is ours. Um, so they're just going to head back in where there's a fucking monster, right? It's a fucking sloth. Anyway, they're going back in. Our parents are, our parents are going to be worried, Chunk says. Let's go home. Chunk wants to have dinner. What home? This is a good one. What home? In a couple more hours, it ain't going to be home anymore. Come on, guys. This is our time. Our last time to see if the rich stuff's buried somewhere in there. I've got a theory on Mikey's our time speeches, but we'll get to that in a minute, I think. Uh, so he gets back to the map, tries to read it. It's too dark. He looks at the others. Anybody got a match? Of course, suddenly a small flame appears. It, it enters from off-screen right. Another flame appears, entering from off-screen left. The flames are two matches held by Andy and Steph. Andy's eyes twinkle in the firelight, but her hand is shaking. Her eyes dart from left to right. She's obviously frightened by the graveyard. Uh, Andy. Hi, Brandy. Uh, so she's, she's flirting with Brand. Uh, Brandy and Andy. Brenda and Andy had a better... Isn't that a... Uh, it's a Billy Joel song. Brenda and Eddie are the popular steadies and the king and the queen of the farm. Riding around with the car top down and the radio on. Nobody looked any finer. I was more of a hit at the Parkway Diner. She never knew she could want more than that out of life. Oh, Brenda and Eddie would always know how to survive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's scenes from an Italian restaurant. This is scenes from outside of a terrible seafood Abandoned, fucking, yeah, okay, little diversion. Hey, Steph, what you doing in the graveyard? Bring, jigging up a new girlfriend? Steph, uh, Mouth, hey, don't, knock it. Stiffs are a lot warmer than you. See, Mouth has this disgusting size. Stiffs are a lot warmer than you. He's talked about um, bestiality, 
he's 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 made uh he's he's made jokes about everything and uh now it's necrophilia right i don't know why i need to know the technical terms for all of the mouth's bullshit but uh you learn something every day on the stink cast right uh so brand gives him a puzzled look at to andy what are you doing here followed you guys we were out driving with troy he knows you fucking were in the car when troy tried to kill him he was being a real spaz ass you know tilting the mirror so we could look down our shirts uh, she shrugs, so I elbowed his lip. Jeez, Andy. We're going to get to Andy and her. Andy Andy is a problematic problem, uh, which is redundant. Um, anyway, we're going to get to that. Boy, are we going to get to that. Okay, so uh, page 50. Mikey still reads the map, mumbling himself. Okay, if it's 30 paces, and he's counting off the paces. One, two, three. Data grabs Mikey from behind, stopping him. Oh, no, Mikey, your feet are too small. We must do this scientifically. So he gets a calculator out. That's cool. Miles, paces are paces. You think that uh, you think this Willie dude had a calculator? Um, shut up, Mouth. Mouth takes over, walking out the paces with longer strides, moving towards the lounge. Mouth counts out the paces as Elmer Fudd. One, two, three. Shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they uh, they really were counting on Feldman to deliver uh, these perform these these. Imitations. Boy, did they get the right kid, right? Mouth continues walking. Kids follow. Andy looks at Brand. These two. Okay. Poor Troy, uh, Andy says. Guess he won't be making out with anybody for a while. Am I going to miss that stuff? Uh, gets a chill to Brand. Come on, Brandy. Let's get out of here. Graveyards freak me out. Um, Andy's a little uh, scrumpet. <laughs> like the, you, to use the parlance of Walter. She's a little scrumpet. Uh, Brand suddenly realized that this could be the best night of his life. Brand he gets it. Finally, finally gets it. Realizes that this could be the best night of his life. Take it easy, Brand. Uh, he turns to leave with Andy, but then realizes he has another duty. Oh, I can't leave without my brother. Just hold on one second, dude. Uh, yeah, I think Brand would definitely go make out with Andy and not worry about his little brother. But that's just me. Uh, you know, I'm not going to question the brilliance of this. This Andy rolls her eyes. Brand takes her hand. He actually says taxes. I don't know. Maybe takes. Maybe it's just a typewriter. Pulling Andy to the lounge with him. Mouth arrives at the lounge door, trying to open it. Locked. Mouth pauses. What to do? An idea. He looks back at Chunk. Smile, mouth smiles. Hey, Chunk. Got some naked Polaroids of your mom taking a bath. Want to buy them real cheap? Okay, again. Uh, I don't know why they have to keep framing Chunk and not just say, hey, Chunk, help us get this door open. Um, but they, they constantly basically, you know, haze Chunk and, and, and passively aggressive control him constantly and make him feel guilty. I, I'm, I'm, mothers against Chunk abuse. I, I, I'm forming a nonprofit. Okay, so he breaks the door. Uh, this, of course, frighten, frightens Anzi, and she, she turns to run. Uh, I'm going home. Uh, I'm going home. You guys are going to get in big trouble. She turns to run. Andy, Andy is met face to face with a large stone gargoyle. Hey, we have gargoyles in in Armageddon. Um, I don't know if it's an, if it's in a gargoyle. Uh, I think like a rake pops up and hits him. But I adore a good gargoyle reference. Uh, okay, so the gargoyle sits at the top of Tombstone. Andy turns and runs back to Brand's arms. God, I love a good a good gargoyle. Okay, so uh, interior lighthouse. Uh, the other Goonies have entered the place. Mouth is still counting paces. Back to his Elmer Fudd impression, he strides across the restaurant floor. 28, 29, toity. 
this is it. That Waskly Wabbit must be under here. Uh, the Waskly Rabbit bit, has, it, it goes nowhere. Steph, you can stop auditioning to the popular. You don't impress me anymore. Oh, ooh. So Steph thinks that Mouth is uh, doing his whole Elmer Fudd thing to flirt with her. And Steph's better than Mouth. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Mouth, but Steph is a catch. Steph's a fucking hero. Um, Steph, again, not to belabor the point, but uh, the first thing we learned about Steph was that she's 16 and she works full-time with her dad on the docks uh, doing fishery stuff by catch, helping catch and clean fish and lobsters. And I've been to Alaska fishing a dozen times, and people who fish or process fish are the most capable fucking people in the world. Like, they would solve every little riddle and Rube Goldberg trap and it, it, Steph could have just walked through the, the, the cat, the cave, uh, not getting in trouble, caught or anything, solving everything, but nobody fucking ever listens to Steph. Uh, they should, uh, she's brilliant and could probably just capably handle this, but she stands back and lets all these fucking morons keep going. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, mouth is embarrassed. I'd rather dive into a swimming pool full of razors than impress you. That don't impress me much. Uh, Mikey, we gotta get to the lowest point. Uh, Bran, we gotta get the hell out of here. Uh, Mikey, come on, Bran, what's another couple minutes gonna hurt? What if we find something, huh? Mikey breaks away from Bran again and hurriedly opens the basement door. He motions for the guys to follow. Uh, interior lighthouse basement corridor night. Mikey leads the goonies down the dark, narrow stairway into the basement. A distant sound is heard. The rattling of chains, a low growling, the kid's paws frightened. Steph, Chunk, I hope that's your stomach, Mikey. No, that's the it, that's Sloth. Mikey continues to descend. The kids cautiously follow. Another growl roars through the basement, louder, like an animal. The kids stop again, scared. Chunk turns to Mikey. Chunk, sounds like Kong. Mikey, no, some of it's human. The kids continue down the stairs. They arrive at the bottom. Mikey pauses. He looks to the others. Mikey, come on, want to see it? The kids shake their heads. No fucking way. They didn't say that. No way. Mikey, don't worry. It's chained up. Uh, Mikey leads the kids through Sloth's door. The frightened kids stay close together. They move slowly, carefully towards the door. Meanwhile, Andy grabs Bran's hand. Andy, I don't want to see it, Bran. I don't want to see anything else but you. Stay with me, okay? A Andy's, a, she's a tart. She's a, she's a thirsty little uh, scrumpet. <laughs> uh, or at least she's written as such. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging. I'm a little bit. Bran nods. He stays with Andy. They stand in front of another door. Here we go. This is a, a 70, what, 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 page 53, scene 70, a shitload of fucking description. Let's, uh, let's paraphrase this and see how we can, we can get moving. Uh, okay, so door, a moment alone. Andy's shivering. Bran puts his arm around their cuddle. Meanwhile, the kids are heading towards, scared to death. Mikey slowly reach out, grabs the doorknob. Kids hold their breath. There's a roaring growl. It's Sloth. Uh, Bran leaning in to kiss Andy. Inches from her lips is interrupted by a group of kids falling toward his. Uh, foiled again. Can't quite slip her the tongue, Bran, but you're trying. The kids fall, and Andy and Bran through, fall through the door. The door opens. Everyone falls in like dominoes, resembling the... Oh, my God. This is truly in the script. In the script as a note for everybody. Resembling the stateroom scene from the Marx Brothers' A Night at the Opera. Um, again, the, the, the references they have here are... Uh, not exactly what a uh, the, the target demographic of the 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds are aware of. 
when was the Marx Brothers? 40s, 50s, 60s? I don't know. Um, but they just fall. They fall. You don't, have to, you don't have to call out some snooty silent film. Okay. Uh, scene 71. We'll wrap it up here pretty quick, guys. Uh, okay, kids get on their feet in the chaos. The, the doubloon, remember the doubloon? Um, just a real quick thing about doubloons. Every time I read it, I think of uh, toonies and loonies, um, which I had no fucking concept. I didn't know anything about it. At the, at the beginning of this, I told you how I was um, kind of researching about being Canadian, right? And I was using Twitter to do it. So I was asking all these weird questions. I was actually kind of like just trolling Canada and being a dick. And making a bunch of like, you're America's hat, you know, and you guys are, you don't have a real, like, I, you know, you don't have a real government up there. You guys are just fucking a bunch of squirrels and fucking uh, goofballs and, and big jackets and scarves. And you're weirdos, right? And, uh, and it, it was a year or two after I'd kind of been fucking around with Canada, somebody was like, hey, did you know about loonies? And I'm like, what the fuck's a loony? Uh, and they, yeah, they educated me that uh, Canadians have uh, a coin for one dollar, which is a loony, and they have coins for two dollars, which are toonies. And uh, they're just the cutest little fucking half country of, of you know, sweet little innocent dorks playing fucking curling and uh, hockey and drinking fucking weird beers and stuff. Anyway, I love Canada. Um, but yeah, so the doubloon falls out, and uh, Chunk grabs the doubloon and sticks in his pockets. Um, at one time, he used the kitchen. The, the room is a giant freezer. Okay, so this is the sparklets bottle, the stove, the freezer. A so they're in this like uh, prep kitchen. A tiny flame still burns in the fireplace. That's I don't think that's true. The only object that seems out of place is a large black metal printing press. It's ancient and rusty. The small window sits above the press. A photo of the Fratelli adorns the walls. Kids exchange a bewildered shrug. Chunk goes straight for the water cooler, moves his mouth beneath the tiny faucet, um, and tries to drink. An excited Mikey grabs a fireplace poker. He finds a random spot in the center of the floor. Oh, yeah, Mikey's going to, like, break through the fucking concrete floor um, as an 11-year-old with a tire iron or a fireplace poker. Uh, this is a good place as any start digging, and he, he kind of whacks it. Um, and you can see uh, Sean Astin kind of wiggle his hands like he's like a fucking uh, Looney Tunes, uh, you know, Roadrunner thing. Kind of silly. Uh, poker doesn't make a dent, of course. Instead, it sends a reverberating shock through Mikey's body. That's it right there. So that direction, you can definitely see uh, Sean Astin try to try to do that. Like he hits it, and then he's, he tries to get his whole body going like. His teeth even begin to chatter. Uh, Brand shakes his head. Uh, Brand, by, hey, by the way, all of these like acting notes where I'm like, that doesn't sell, and this is weird. I didn't notice them until I read the script. Uh, well, I, I mean, I did. I noticed a lot of them, but they didn't take me out of the film. In no way am I, am I insinuating that it's, um, it's not a great film or it's not enjoyable. It's, it's really well done. All right, we'll, we'll end there for now. Um, and... That means we pick up at the top of page 54 of the Goonies screenplay that you can get your copy of at scriptslug.com. And uh, yeah, let's just keep going. I appreciate you guys for giving me um, your attention. And, and I know that there's a zillion, gazillion things that want your attention um, and maybe even want it more than I do. 
but I do appreciate that you're enjoying this with me and you're sharing in this. And I hope you enjoy the movies and the podcast, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Just stay in the moment, smoke some weed, drink some wine. Reminisce, talk some shit, forever young is in your mind. Leave a mark they can't erase, through neither space nor time. So when the director yells cut, I'll be fine. I am forever young. First you gotta do the truffle shuffle.